What up, everybody? Welcome to Real Basketball Talk. No hot takes. I'm Daniel Artes, your host. I got my dog Kate out with me. Kate out. We decided to move over from the WNBA real quick. Talk a little bit of NBA, and I'll be here for a quick recap of Game Four and some Game Five predictions. Man, Kate out. What's good, brother? Yo, what's going on? Um, it's good to be a fan of the NBA, of course. So we're gonna continue to keep it basketball related nothing hot tickish just being fans for tonight very excited to talk about uh game four recap and what we look forward to in game five yeah most definitely so let's just get right into it real quick so we had golden state with a big 107 to 97 win over the boston celtics to tie the nba finals at two apiece this game was back and forth k dot man but sometimes it's all about will and Steph Curry's will led his team to one of the biggest wins in his career, actually. And I'm going to just talk about Steph Curry finally has his NBA Finals moment. And he's been amazing in these finals. It was pretty dope to witness his signature moment. He didn't want to lose. And he got his team over that finish line. And it's obvious that foot injury was a non-issue. This man was in the zone. Facing a 3-1 deficit, he just had to go to another level that no one else can reach. He made seven threes, 10 rebounds, like his aggression, his efficiency, the intensity, and how he attacked Boston all game. With the variety of shots he was hitting too as well, K-Dot, you've seen the floaters, you see the layups, you see the threes. Like Steph, he used everything he had in his bag. Like clearly, man, this, this dude was on a mission and he has everything against him. If you look at Boston, they have a really good defensive team. Then you got his team issues, the Draymond Green disappearing act, Clay Thompson with his up and down shooting. But we're going to get to that part later, though. And Kerry had to do what he had to do to get this big win, K-Dot. Yeah, it's, it's amazing that Steph is playing at a level that we all expected him to play uh, for one. But it's even more interesting for him to play at the level that he's playing with, knowing that you're looking at a little bit of inconsistencies from his other core guys who he's been in the trenches with since since they've been all drafted. It's also something great to see that you're basically debunking the idea of Steph Curry not being able to, to perform um, at the highest level in the finals compared to other playoff series in the finals. Um, so... I'm really excited to see that Steph Curry um, is doing that and he's taking everything personal from this perspective. I'm just glad to see that. The biggest thing going on the Boston side, of course, looking at game four is the strategy and drop coverage. My biggest um, takeaway from game four is with them continuing that drop coverage on Steph Curry has just found a way to utilize the pick and roll game off of that drop coverage and just take whatever the defense is given them, literally taking the deep, what the defense has given him, and he's um, done that very efficiently as well. I think he's shooting um, close to the higher uh, markings of 40% um, from three, the same from the field. And it's very interesting to see what type of adjustment Coach Ime Yudoka makes um, on the defensive side and to see if he's going to stick to that strategy of drop coverage, knowing that Steph Curry is on a torch and... I think also, um, and, and I'm gonna just continue with Boston. We've talked about as fans and going into different spaces and just going into different rooms, how 
the biggest concern for Boston is always the inconsistencies in certain games, especially when can put a, a series into a chokehold. And I think that the good thing that Boston has on their side is that they are literally undefeated off the losses in the playoffs currently. So I want to see what the adjustment will be for Boston on the offensive end. And I say that because we're terrible on the offensive end with loud ball turnovers. I want to see where that, um, what adjustment they will make in, in that regard. I'm just interested in seeing that. Overall, I think it's been a, a great series so far. And hopefully we continue to get the, the games that we've, we've gotten over the past four games. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, w- I want to stay on Steph, right? Because it's funny. Because uh, <laughs> I even said it in my last episode. I was like, Golden State's in trouble. But, but I also said that in that same episode that in each finals game, it's ha- it has its own chapter. And now I feel like with this win, Golden State can breathe a little bit, but still stay locked in. But they can lean on the fact that they've been here before. I think that Boston's going to stand defiant. You see them in the press conferences, but they got to be a little bit worried, KDOT, because they let a great win slip away. And the fact that they can't figure out how to guard Steph, who's averaging 34 points, he's actually shooting 50% from the field and from three in these finals, KDOT. Boston might be in trouble. I feel like with Boston, right, it's just speaking of them, their offense let them down at the wrong time. They, they had a chance to take command of this series. And I'm going to set the stage, KDOT, right? They was up five points halfway through the fourth quarter. Mind you, they're at home. Nobody's in foul trouble. They had better team play up until that point while Steph was lifting his team on his back. The the, the scale was basically tipping in in Boston's favor. So you got to ask yourself, what happened? Why didn't Boston take advantage? And I'm going to answer that real quick. And for starters, they couldn't stop Steph on defense. And the offense, they got in their own way. They shot themselves in the foot, if you may say. I felt like they were sloppy, bad possession after bad possession after bad possession, taking threes where they didn't need to take threes. Whenever they needed something from their star players in those big moments, they flopped. So again, turnovers, poor offense, missed opportunities. And I feel like this, Kate, if, if Boston lose this series... They will regret this fourth quarter in game four. But really, they're going to have to figure out the Steph Curry uh, Rubik's Cube. We know that he's a dangerous scorer. Once he's in that bag, he can hit it from anywhere, whether one hand, two hand, three hands in his face. Doesn't matter. But let's not forget that Curry is just as a dangerous of a playmaker, too. Yeah. and. I think what, if I'm looking at it and just looking at different film and comparing it to previous finals and strategies that teams, namely the Cleveland Cavaliers, has done on Steph, I don't see enough blitzing. And I think that they're only not doing it because they still respect the shooting of Klay Thompson. They still... They have to somewhat respect something out of Draymond Green, even though Draymond Green is having the best series. I mean, he's actually horrendous in this series. 
And I think that what's happening is they're just going to continue to trust the drop coverage and just allow Steph to beat them by themselves and still worry about the rest. I think in game five, they may need to do the opposite and roll the dice and see if they can blitz Curry more and see if Draymond will open up his offense and get the other guys involved like the Andrew Wiggins and the Clay Thompsons, because so far, except for game three for Clay, he struggled shooting the ball. I think that if you get to a point in game five where you have length, you have defensive capabilities to blitz Steph, get Steph in into a situation where he's working for every last shot that he's hunting for. And by doing that, you blitz him 30 feet away from the basket, make him force himself into some bad loud ball turnovers. You've seen it a couple times in the third quarter in this last game. Um, Steph made some very questionable over-the-head passes. If you continue to do that, and they did that off of blitzes, they didn't show a lot of blitz, but in that one instance, they did blitz and they were able to get a fast break, a live ball turnover, fast break shot. I think that you would be better off, honestly, especially coming into game five. I think Golden State has finally figured out just from an offensive standpoint, listen, if Clay is not going to be at his best, if Draymond's not going to be at his best, then we just need to continue to go with high pick and roll and see what Steph is able to do just off those high pick and rolls. And then every once in a while, we'll set into our quick motion um, type offenses. But I think that for Boston, the biggest thing for them is, unfortunately, you have to win another game in Golden State. And it's already hard winning finals games on the road. So for you to take game one and actually have the series in the palm of your hand in game four and you let it slip away, you have to come back to San Francisco and try to get another win. And I'm not saying that they're not confident in doing it because I think they are just from the way they've been playing so far. But it's going to be very difficult because I think you've allowed Golden State to settle into the series. If you go up 3-1, then I think there's a little more panic on um, Golden State side. But now that the series is tied, it's a three-game series now, and Golden State has to win two at home, basically. That's only if they go to Boston in game six and and actually win um, in game six. So my thing is, I think from a defensive standpoint, Boston needs to figure out a way to blitz Curry more make him uncomfortable 30 feet away from basket, get some loud ball turnovers, use your length. I think Robert Williams and Al Horford, instead of using that drop coverage, just hard hedging and looking for looking for assignments out on the wing versus them having to sprint back to the paint. And that means a weak side rotation from the help, like a Grant Williams. And even with Marcus Smart being active on the ball, if uh, there's a hard hedge and a blitz, then Jason Tatum and um, Jalen Brown needs to play a center field at times so they can help Robert Williams or Al Horford recover off of that hard blitz or that hard hedge. I think that's the only way that you'll be able to at least contain um, Steph as well as try to keep Clay from getting off. And then, of course, with Draymond, he's not looking for his shot offensively. Just continue to try to roll the dice and see if he continues to not try to find his offense. 
Yeah, definitely. We're going to tap in with Draymond in a minute, though. But we we got to talk about Andrew Wiggins real quick, KDOT, man. He had a big game you know, in game four, that big double-double, 17 points and 16 rebounds, contained Jason Tatum on defense, holding him to 23 points on 8 of 23 shooting. And in the biggest game of Andrew Wiggins' basketball career, he delivered. And you got to tip your hat to this man. Like, everything that he goes through on social media about not being that guy that can play in big games. To you haters out there, Andrew Wiggins can actually play in big in a big game. He just has to keep on just doing hell. He's been on a nice run in his playoffs, holding it down on offense, guarding the best guy on defense, and, and really been attacking the glass. And I do want to touch back on this Wiggins versus Tatum matchup because low-key, KDOT, Andrew Wiggins has been a problem for Jason Tatum. You see how Wiggins is impacting these finals as a two-way player. Like, he's making the leap right in front of our eyes. We see him potential realize right now. You see the defensive job he's doing on Tatum as the first line of defense. Because, you know, Golden State loves that team defense. But that first line of defense, Andrew Wiggins has been more than holding his own. And then you see him switching over on Jalen Brown as well. I really like what Wiggins is doing in these finals. He's doing all the dirty work that people thought that he couldn't do. And look, he's leading the NBA finals in rebounding, KDOT. What's your thoughts on Andrew Wiggins so far in these finals? Yeah, Andrew Wiggins has been a tremendous. Deserve And I just truly when this series his defensive ability is truly remarkable i think that what he's doing on jason tatum and, and oftentimes on on jalen brown i think is just simply extraordinary and one thing that i also want to see him do if he's able to do it is on the offensive end when he's able to get into his spots back to the basket with those cross matches with Derek White or Peyton Pritchard, I wanted to take a little bit more advantage of it. He's done that, especially in game four. He did that a number of times in game four, and he was able to hit those open three-point shots. That's going to be the biggest catalyst, the biggest X factor um, for Golden State in order to win this series, um, especially if you will look at some... It, I, I also put... It, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're probably gonna agree, probably gonna disagree. I'm not sure, but what what if we look at some more, some more pick and roll action or pick and pop action with him and Steph Curry, um, getting some of those cross matches when Derek White is on, um, Steph every once in a while. See if they can do some cross matches there, and then do some some strong side cuts to the basket for Steph and then allowing State Clay Thompson to get some open shots off of that uh, off of that particular action. That's something that's also going to be very important. And I think that because with Andrew Wiggins doing what he's doing defensively, it's helping Golden State out a lot. If he can do a little bit more offensively, oh man, it'll it'll be a great deal for the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, and I want to welcome my guy Brian Langford into the chat. So right now we are on Spotify Live re recording this podcast. And Brian is tardy to the party as usual. But uh, hey, Brian, so we're going to give you the floor for a minute. Take as much time as you need. I just need the resident Celtics guy with us. Just give us your thoughts and opinions from game four. 
I think I think Jason Tatum again is in his own way. Like I'm not gonna try to discredit Andrew Wiggins, but if you look at Tatum the last maybe two and a half games, he just throws his hands up and he's looking for fives. You can't look like that in the NBA finals. You gotta play your game and then eventually you'll get some of the calls down the line. But the reps already know going into the game that, hey, Zero's looking for a foul every single time. So he's not playing this game. Boston, I think Boston has contained Golden State very well. If I'm correct off the top of my head, Golden State hasn't scored over 107. That's off the top of the head. I, I would do something different in game five a little bit. I would put Smart on Draymond. And here's why I say that. If you notice, Golden State is setting two or three picks. There's no way Marcus Smart can get back to Steph Curry because a lot of people have called me and saying Marcus Smart is the defensive player of the year and he's getting roasted by Curry. But I'm telling you, if you're not watching basketball, he's getting caught in the pick every single time. So I would use Smart to go put on Draymond, who is legit no threat. No, if you run that second or third pick, Smart could probably get there. I just think Boston lost their composure game four. The final five minutes of the game was probably the most atrocious basketball I ever seen in my 36 and a half years of living. Guys were in ISO. Guys were going for the one-shot comeback. Think about it. They were there three for two and a half minutes, and like they took five straight three-pointers. So I know Yudoka had a conversation about that. This team is still fairly young, so they're going to make these type of mistakes. But I expect for them to come out in game five and play a little bit harder in the fourth quarter because they know the third quarter is dominated by Golden State. They know the fourth quarter is their quarter. And I'll spill a message from Draymond Gray. I want to hear what you guys think. Yeah, so just to catch you up, we already talked about Boston and stuff like that. We're going to get to Jason Tatum in a minute because I, I, I got you basically was in my notebook. I pretty much was saying a lot of the same things you were saying, so you're probably going to agree with me when I get to Jason Tatum. But we got to talk about the Steve Kerr benching Draymond Green, right, down that crucial stretch. And it works because we we all know Draymond has been struggling on the offensive end. This is the finals. And what? Put your bias aside or whatever, how everybody feels about Draymond. You got to commend Draymond for accepting it and being a great uh, teammate about it. Now is, is not the time to pout as the NBA Finals. And we all know Draymond Green is a competitor, but something wasn't working and a gamble had to be made and it actually worked in Golden State's favor. Like we've seen the frustration on Draymond Green upon coming out that game, but he also put his ego to the side, sat on the bench. He was talking to his teammates, which they probably was encouraging him, keeping him me- mentally engaged in the game. And when he came back in the game, he got some rebounds. He got some defensive stops. He had a few assists as well to end the game. But with which Draymond, and like I said on my last podcast, when I was talking about game three, like Draymond just has to do what he has, what he does best. Like his activity has to be there. I mean, look, I grant it. He had two points in game four on one of seven shooting, but he also did what he was supposed to do. He had nine rebounds, eight assists, four steals. And like I said, all Draymond got to do is just stay engaged in the game. Forget the ref. Sometimes he likes to work the refs and de- definitely forget the fans too. But I'm thinking like a, a solid game from Draymond is, is going to come in game five because of the positive vibes from just playing at home after getting beat down by Brian's maniacs in Boston. You know, this, this might be the Draymond green game that everybody's been calling for. And I think that, to be honest, 
I have Boston winning the series as well. But if Draymond Green has a good game five, like the Draymond that we know, I think that's going to be scary, Brian. What you think? I, I agree. I think Draymond is, for the first time in a long time, he's got his own head as well, too. You said that the fans chirping in the garden probably didn't bother him, but let's be real. It bothers you because it, it, it's a lot to deal with. Whether or not you accept the villain role or not, it bothers you. Game five, he's got to come out and be a little bit more aggressive. I mean, if you noticed a lot in game four, even if he brought the ball down, he wasn't even looking nowhere near the basket. Everything was, how can I get the ball to step? How can I get the ball to step? He's got to be more aggressive. I'm not saying he has to score. He just has to be more aggressive. We know Draymond Brown scores. I think defensively, he will be there in game five. I think he's actually overdue for a great game. So Boston's got to get prepared because we all know how any matchup works in a playoffs. You always have your two-star games. You have your player game, and then you'll have your defensive player game. So far, I don't think we've seen that yet from Draymond. So he's got the best out of three right now to show us that he's still playing that type of basketball. And shout out to him. He accepted it. What happened in game four, he sat down. He knew he was basically a liability to his team on the floor. He didn't like it, but he understood in order to win a championship, he had to be willing to make that sacrifice. And that's what makes the difference in good players and great players because great players will accept the fact that it's not their night. And when he got a chance to get back out there, like you said, D, he, he, he made big plays. So, yeah, game five, I think Boston better prepare for a better Draymond Green, especially being in the Bay. I agree with everything that you got that you guys are saying. And you made an interesting point about the role players. I think that Golden State has only gotten one game where the actual role player was really a pivotal part of the actual of the actual series. And I don't mean later by like an Andrew Wiggins or Clay Thompson. I'm talking about Draymond Green and Jordan Poole in particular. That's something that we'll probably talk about a little bit later, but you're absolutely right about Draymond. He has accepted every Things from a I'm not playing well perspective, and it was a very gutsy but right move by Kerr to sit him in those crucial moments. And you saw what the result was at the end of it, right? Because Draymond got some key rebounds and a key assist to go up five with the Looney shuffle pass down um, on the block um, in the paint where uh, Looney was able to just lay the ball up on the left side. That was very important because that's a confidence booster. You look at your team fight and claw for, what, three minutes, and you're, you know, able to come back in and actually finish the game. So that was uh, something that was very impressive that I saw within Draymond that he has to do the entire game in game five. So looking forward to game five, and I just got some points I want to share. And honestly, I, I want to see – Clay Thompson break his shooting troubles. Like, you know, game five is the third anniversary of that knee injury he suffered in the NBA Finals in 2019 against Toronto. So I want to see him come out with a big game, to be honest. I like Clay, and I, like I've been saying the past couple of days, I think that his best days are behind him. But I also think that he's due for that vintage moment. And I think that it's game five, you're at home, where they love him, the energy is going to be electric. I think that. Clay responds in a big way. And also, I'm looking for Boston to adjust how they're going to defend Steph Curry because I feel like everything that they threw at him defensively is not working. And we all know that it's a, it's a tall order. Steph is one of the greatest 
off-ball movers the game has ever seen. You really can't take a break when he's on the floor. He's really scary when he's on the court because we know that he's going to kill you with the shot and he's going to kill you with the playmaking too. I just think that Boston might just go back to old-fashioned tactics and just be very physical with Steph and, and just let the chips, you know, fall where they may. And also, I'm looking forward to see how Boston gets better scoring opportunities for Jason Tatum to be successful because Tatum is shooting 34% in these finals. He hasn't had a game where he made 10 shots in, in the finals so far. Boston really has to find these favorable matchups for Jason Tatum when he switches. Keep him away from Andrew Wiggins and, and maybe force Steph Curry to guard him, get Steph Curry in foul trouble. Easier said than done. But let's be real now. Jason Tatum knows he has to be better. He knows he can't be a non-factor in the fourth quarter, shooting one of five in game four. I'm going to say it again. Tatum just has to be better. Simple as that. He needs to be aggressive, but while at the same time, let the game flow. Don't go looking for fouls. Just play the game. When you miss shots, don't force the action. Just play the game. It'll come back to you. Pick your spots. Be aggressive in 1v1 situations. And be that improved playmaker when Golden State loads up on you. But you still got to move the ball fast. You can't hold the ball too long against Golden State or else that double team is coming real quick. You know, so you got to make quick decisions. You got to take the open shots. You got to make the right pass, y'all. And this is why I love the game of basketball, Brian and KDOT, especially when you're in a slump. How can you overcome it? You just got to do the things that you do. You play this game before, then you've been in a slump before. It happens. Granted, you don't want it happening in the NBA Finals. But hey, that's the game of life. And life ain't fair sometimes. So you just got to trust in yourself. Believe in yourself. Stay supremely confident in yourself. Channel that Mamba mentality that you've been pushing this postseason. I'm sorry for preaching, but this is basketball, man. It's fun. Whether you're playing good or you're not, this is the game. You can't master it. And Jason Tatum is going to have to figure it out, Brian. And so, like, I, I put this on Twitter earlier, and a couple of people had called me. It's true. Jason Tatum's got the most pressure since LeBron James in the NBA Palace at this age in a long time. But I figured out why. I say, I bet you if we didn't know that Tatum's favorite player was Kobe Bryant, we would let him live a little bit more. People still remember to forget that Jalen Brown also was a number three draft pick. Like, he just was the same pick as Tatum the year before. And I want to see both of the Jays be better. I I think Tatum can take better shots. I watched them, and he he was letting a bitch guy check him the other game. It was like he just... I think he checked himself out at some point, and I think Yudoka also took too many timeouts too soon because you need to keep timeouts in your pocket just for that sake because Tatum was starting to get out of control at one point in the game, and you need to calm your young star down. I think he knows he's got to be better these next three games. He's got to play like the game six in Milwaukee. He's got to have that type of re- uh, re- uh, replay game. He, he, he knows what he's got to do. You'll probably get to this, D, but Grant Williams, you're a part of the rotation. You can't continue to come in the game and, and only score two or three points. That's useless. You've got to play. You've got to play better because you're a part of the rotation. So they had this conversation. I think they're going to come out game five and be better. They cannot afford to actually lose game five because I don't. They're not that good at home. They win game five, they lose game six, they go for game seven, there's a 50-50 toss. But if they lose game five, I just don't know if they're going to win game six back at home. All right, I guess I'll just move on to the predictions there real quick. So 
my game five predictions, Brian, is basically like I have Boston winning this series, but I just don't have a winning game five, to be honest. I just feel like my, my confidence in Boston is actually waning right now. And there's some factors here, brother. For one, <laughs> Golden State has Steph Curry. Boston doesn't. Curry's playing lights out right now. And we've also seen that Golden State can slow down Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown. But Boston has zero answers to stop Steph Curry. And then you add in the fact with Clay and all his struggles, and he's looking like he's ready to go off. You see him hitting that three the last two games. I think he hit nine threes or whatever. And then the home court advantage is there. Draymond Green due for a big game. And we all know the supporting cast plays better at home. You know, I'm looking at Jordan Poole to play well. But honestly, I'll just say this. It's game five. Both teams know what they're running. They know the rotations. You can really throw out all of that. It's about who won it more at this point. I just think that Steph Curry is on another planet right now. So I, I have Golden State winning game five, 115 to 108. Brian, what's your predictions, bro? I don't go with the the Warriors, but the road Warriors. That's the Boston Celtics because they are a better team on the road. There's not a lot of pressure. I think Boston wins it 109-104. Big game by Jason Tatum. I see a spicy 40-piece coming. I feel it. Ooh, spicy 40-piece. All flats, baby. Oh, damn. You know, I'm a drum guy, man. Come on, man. Nah, what? baby. Give me flats, baby. I'm sorry. You, you could throw a couple drums up in there, but for the Roman <laughs> Warriors, you got to give me 40 flat, baby. Spicy. Hey, man, now you make me hungry. And I got the air fryer downstairs, <laughs> too. Don't, don't, don't threaten me with a good time. Thank you for listening to Real Basketball Talk, No Hot Takes. Don't forget to follow us at rbtalk underscore on Twitter. Don't forget to follow 265 Media on Twitter as well. And we shall see y'all as we recap game five. And hopefully we shall see what happens. All right. With that being said, I'm Daniel Ortez. That's Brian. K-Dot was here. Love is love. Peace.